Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast that explores Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And you know what happens. A lot of Thursdays, it's hard for Jimmy and I to connect. So what we like to do is we like to bring on cool people, people that are in ministry, people that are in uh, academia, people that have a good grasp on theology, uh, people that love the local church, all kinds of people, right? But people that we vibe with, people that we think are good for you to know people that encourage us and um, help us to become uh, better Christians. And today, I'm super pumped to bring on a friend, uh, Pastor Vaughn Sanders. Uh, Pastor Vaughn is uh, the preaching pastor, senior pastor, lead pastor. We'll we'll get into it Um, at First Baptist Church, so you know he's legit because it ain't second. It's First Baptist Church in Bolingbrook, Illinois. What's up, Vaughn? What's happening, brother? Uh, Man, thank you so much. Uh, Mama, we made it. We're on Doc and Devo. So uh, this is exciting. I've been looking forward to this. Hi, Mom. You're, she will watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll be sure and and, uh, and be professional here. All right. We won't get too oh, crazy. Okay. She uh, knows me. I want. Oh, then we don't have to worry about it. Yeah. We don't have to worry about it. So uh, you're you're in Bolingbrook, and yeah. uh, so Bolingbrook is a suburb of Chicago. Um, tell people a little bit about Bolingbrook. Like, what is what is Bolingbrook like? Yeah, so Bolingbrook is kind of a bedroom community. I don't know if that term is really used much anymore, but uh, folks are really more uh, transient, uh, people that are commuting into the city, into Chicago or other places around and typically have their home in a place like Bolingbrook. And we see a lot of people that move into town and stay here for a few years and then they get transferred somewhere else for their role or their job. And uh, so we, we see a lot of that, that stuff kind of happening. But what I really love about Bolingbrook is its diversity, um, you know, primarily Anglo, but we have a high population of Hispanic, mm-hmm. Black, Asian, and, and others. So when we talk about the mission field and reaching others, I mean, my neighbors are super diverse and have really great conversations. And so that's really the the, the big thing about Bolingbrook. And if you haven't been into Illinois, most people know Bolingbrook for our Ikea. So people come from miles and miles around just to, to hit up the Ikea here in Bolingbrook. I... Uh... I do make make my way to Bolingbrook for IKEA. That is uh, yeah. that is absolutely true. <laughs> Got to get them meatballs and, uh, yeah, and yeah. get some Billy bookcases, uh, whatever I need. Um, is that diversity reflected uh, in in your church at, at First Baptist? Yeah, and that's been something that has been since the the founding. You know, fifty three years ago, we've always been very diverse. And so, when I do talk to other pastors, they say, "Well, how did you get it to be diverse the way it is?" And I mean, this is just something that God has done with us over the years. And I love that because uh, there's still a stigma around mixed marriages or people getting getting together from different ethnic groups. Um, but the, the, the way we've been able to do church together has been really encouraging, just come from all walks and background, not only ethnicities, but uh, generations, um, you know, uh, economic status, all those things to come together just to worship the Lord. And so I'm very happy and proud of that. Yeah, it's, I mean, I can imagine, you know, people are going to want the, what's the, what's the, the, the recipe you know, what's the sauce? What's the, yeah. how did yeah. you do it when mm-hmm. it's like, no, this has been a part of our DNA. It's been a part of mm-hmm. our culture. Uh, you know, and that's, it's, it's such a, because I mean, obviously there are situations where churches wind up 
when you know neighborhoods change uh and we what we have oftentimes seen is a church remains all white the demographics mm-hmm. of the city changes and it becomes much more mixed if not predominantly say uh hispanic or african-american but none of those people from the community are going to the church and the people right. in the church no longer even live in the area they've all moved mm-hmm. out and it's like well now what do you do and there are i think mm-hmm. good solutions to that but for churches that have embrace this early on it's just a part of your dna uh is there something in like what is it at first baptist that that allows this to flourish and seem so natural is there something there that you could actually put your finger on or is it just you know what we've always been this way yeah i mean part of that is what you really just touched on is um you know people want to be around people that look like them and we just happen to have a lot of different types of people. And so when people come in and see that, and now I'm happy to say that we are a welcoming community. Mm. So when people come in, they feel welcome. That didn't used to be the case when I first started. Wow. But when people come in, they say, oh, well, this this feels like home. I'm hearing yeah. that a lot more. And they're getting to know different types of people that might be out of their typical sphere, or maybe it's, it is in their sphere, and they're just um, encouraged by how well we are able to get along together and, you know, whatever differences there might be that we hear about on the news or anything like that. It doesn't, I mean, not to say that it doesn't exist, but it's not um, as inflammatory mm-hmm. uh, or as crucial or dividing when it comes to our congregation. So, it, you know, it's a lot of different things. That is the makeup that God has put forward to us, but there's been a lot of work and intentionality behind it too. Like, you know, really, regardless of somebody off the street that's homeless that comes in or somebody with a three-piece suit come in and, and you know, park their Beamer in the, in, the, in the parking lot, right? So we want to treat each of them the same, and they're, yeah. they're welcome just, just to like. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's really important. The, we're, like, at Redeemer, we're in St. Charles, so we're much farther west uh, than you. So we're, like, the last, St. Charles at, it's the last city I've ever, it's the farthest West city I usually hear mentioned when it comes to traffic. Uh, they'll mm. just mention 64 uh, out to St. Charles, not all the time. So we're far West suburbs. And, um, and St. Charles is like 94% Anglo. So mm. we're not going to have as much diversity pulling from the people in our community as you right. might in Bolingbrook. But I still believe you should have as much diversity in your church as is in your community. Like that's what Agreed. you should have. And mm-hmm. so like when we have the generational and socioeconomic diversity um, and the ethnic diversity that is possible, mm-hmm. we actually do have that here. And that, that feels good. And one of the things, you know, you mentioned welcoming, uh, one of the things that I, I can testify to that our people have said, or that newcomers have said, is that, wow, you guys made me feel welcomed. Like you actually, mm-hmm. you sought me. And, and by the way, when the pastor does that, I don't know what size your church is. Our church is, you know, smaller church, mm-hmm. 200 and something people. Um, but I've always, like when I come out, if I see somebody that I don't recognize, I always just make a beeline for them and be like, hey, how mm-hmm. you doing? I'm Joe. And uh, that like most churches doesn't matter the size they just don't get that greeting right. from the preacher and mm-hmm. then our people that's made a big difference on all kinds of people from different at least in our area be feeling like oh this i want to come back i want to see this place again assuming that mm-hmm. yeah they're gonna they're gonna appreciate the preaching right there's something in the preaching of the word that they're going to connect to you know they'll you know they appreciate or enjoy the the worship music 
But that aspect of welcoming and community is always super important. And I find it to be like one of the more sticky elements in you know people coming and staying. Yeah, you you actually amplify that for me because I mean your church is like a my my church home away from home. So when I get a break, I like to go uh, let let you preach for for a Sunday and sit under under your teaching, which is which is awesome. But you know when I've come to your church or come to the Doc and Devo conferences, that's the one thing that really stood out to me is how welcoming and inviting your folks have been. And that really impressed upon me, like, hey, we can do a lot better job if they can do this for a conference and all these people coming in and everybody to feel welcome. Then, you know, our small church, we're, we run about, you know, as after the pandemic, we're running about 40 to 50 or so. Um, but if they can do it with these large numbers of people, certainly we can do it as well to make sure people feel seen. Mm. They they feel appreciated. They're not they know alone because you know going to a new church is tough. Yeah, and you know, going in, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know how the people are going to be, and you kind of want to sit in the back so you can sneak out if you need to. But you know when you have people come in, like hey, come in, I save you a seat. Come sit with me and kind of explain how things work. Show them the ropes. That means a lot yeah. to people when they come into the door. Yeah. Just having like people, you know, take notice of them, be, be invested. And then them having information, like just knowing, mm-hmm. like, what am I supposed to do is, is right. Cause it is, especially as, as an introvert, like I need that. But as a, I remember as a new Christian or as a non-Christian walking in, man, not knowing anything, having people right. that know what's going on and can actually speak to me uh, in a way that I can understand. So I know what's next is definitely calms me down. Um, let's let's talk about you know, your time at First Baptist because you were a deacon there. Uh, mm-hmm. And you've been the, but you've been the, the, what's your title? You're, you're the preaching pastor. I don't know if you have a specific title or not, but since 2018, I think, right? Yeah, it's lead teaching pastor. Okay, whatever that means. Te- yeah, I know that. I, I get called lead pastor. It's absolutely meaningless. All it means is I right. do most of the preaching and I cast exactly. most of the exactly. vision. I have yep. no more authority than any other anybody else. <laughs> Congregation has the authority; they can fire me. Right? Because um, we Baptist anyway. Yeah. Um, so, how did you go from being a the a, one of the deacons there to being the the, the teaching pastor? Well, I'll take you even a little back further than that, Um, you know, really sensing my call to ministry. And um, I've been in IT for a long time, over 20 years at this point. And it just came to a time, a lot of stuff going on, always been in in church uh, since the time I I was growing up. And um, there just came a, a point where I just felt something shifting. I felt like a sense of the call to ministry. I had a, a conversation with my wife and she's like, well, what does that mean? You're going to quit your job and be a pastor? I'm like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I, I, and we prayed that night that I would just be aware and live life with an open hand and take opportunities as they came. Um, just as God led us to wherever he was going to lead us. Right. And so shortly after that, there, there became uh, available. I heard about a, uh, coin, a Greek class and I'm like, well, that, that sounds interesting. Maybe yeah. that's something I should do. This is something new. I never, never seen before. Maybe I should take part of that. And so, um, man, that class just opened my eyes to this whole new world. Where was that? I never really. Um, actually, the previous pastor at First Baptist oh, wow. taught that. He went to Trinity and such, and he did the Theology Thursdays, and this was one of the things that he did on the side. And that's like that's when I felt like, okay, this 
I need to go deeper in this, you know, learning the original languages and, and all that and really diving into, um, you know, how scripture is laid out for us and the different nuances here and there. That really opened up a lot of things. And so that was at First Baptist um, then. And so uh, the church we were at, it felt like we were square pegs and all it had was round holes. Mm. It felt really difficult to serve. Okay. And we're like, you know, if we just want to serve the Lord, it shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. Right. I don't, I, we didn't fit in and the things just didn't work out right. And so we, we checked out first Baptist and, um, the, the, the pastor then he was, you know, preaching, uh, through the genealogies. And I mean, I've never been on the edge of my seat before when a pastor is preaching through the genealogy. At the beginning. Nice. And, and so I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe this is it. And when we, we, um, built a friendship there. Um, so under him is really where he really started to encourage me. And he saw some giftings in me that he just started to flame the flames on. Um, he went on mission trips and things of that nature. And he's like, well, maybe you should preach. I'm like, no, I'm not a preacher. And he's like, uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah. And um, I love it. You know, through those things under, under him be, becoming a deacon and really being able to serve people. And, and again, him just fanning the flames for me, um, being able to soak up a lot of things. He would always offer books to read and always just, you know, took them in as, 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 as fast as I could uh, possible. And um, later to be ordained as, as an elder. And um, soon uh, the pastor left and I was on the search committee. And you know, going through each of those. And there was a candidate that we were highlighting, you know, really looking at, and I, I reached out to him to schedule another meeting. And he said, you know what, I've been, you know, looking at the website. And at the time I was interim and I was preaching every Sunday. And he said, um, you know, after, you know, really listening to your, your sermons and, and how you preach, you, you can, I could tell you love the people there. And I, he said, I think you need to consider being lead pastor. Wow. I'm like, Wait a minute. No, <laughs> I, you're supposed to want the job. <laughs> I, I'm not in this, yeah. but um, I had been hearing other things from other people. Like, why not you? How come you won't put your yeah. name in? I'm like, well, that's, I'm the second guy. I'm not the first guy, but the Lord really made it very clear what he was doing. And I said, well, Lord, if you're in this, then, um, you know, you'll make it work. I don't know how I'm going to do it with another job and a family and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if, if it's meant to be, you'll make it work. And, um, you know, five years later, he has. That's amazing. And so, you know, as a bivocational pastor, um, you know, Jimmy is on staff here. Uh, just, I mean, he, he's, he, very he's very focused in where he gives his time um and he functions more at that executive pastor kind of level mm -hmm. though right now he's really investing in uh, a lot of the youth while we're in the process of doing some hiring anyway um you know he he talks about bivocational ministry because there are uh, there are different levels at which many people will choose to go bivocational. Um, mm -hmm. Some people are in it because they, they don't have a choice, right? There's like, it's like, I don't, I, I want to do this. And I, the church is not even capable. Um, can you tell us what you think the, uh, the advantages are of bivocational ministry for, for a preaching pastor? 
Yeah, um, and I think there's some nomenclature out there that talks about co-vocational versus bivocational, and and that connotation is the bivocational is more of a I have to supplement my income somewhere else because I can't do it over here. But co-vocational, I think, is more intentional around that's good how you're serving. Yeah, and so it's it's more of of a choice there than more of a have to. Mm. I mean, it's probably splitting hairs, but I like the delineation there. That's good. It's helpful. Um, with, with me, my IT role, the, the leadership roles that I have, uh, outside of the church, um, I like to say it gives me street, street cred. So it gives me cred in, in the pulpit for my people because I can explain to them or talk to them through how I'm living out my faith in the corporate world yeah. every day, the conversations I'm having. So to show that like, it is possible. Like you're, you're not going to get fired for being there or people knowing that you're Christian or they come to you and ask for prayer, right? Yeah. There's ways that we can authentically live out our faith and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. And so on the flip side, you know, when I'm at, you know, company functions or dinners or whatever have you, people's like, hey, Vaughn, what do you like to do in your spare time? Like, well, I'm a pastor of local church. A lot of folks, they don't know any pastors or to your point earlier, haven't, you know, been able to talk to a pastor like, whoa, what do you mean? What is that about? Tell me more. Yeah. And so now the Lord has laid a table for me to have an evangelistic conversation Mm -hmm. with folks. Um, Sometimes it just, you know, goes over their heads and sometimes it it brings on more questions and builds a relationship. And I am known as that guy like, hey, I know you're religious. I got this stuff going on. Can you pray for me? Like those have been the sweetest times within my corporate role that I never anticipated coming. And so those are really the, the, the huge benefits for me uh, being co-vocational or bivocational. Yeah, also, Vaughn, it, a big part of this, like when you're talking about, like, hey, man, they find out I'm a pastor, because um, I'll get that too in different contexts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or if they wind up coming to you because they know that you are a, a religious man. Mm-hmm. Um, they only do that if you're approachable, normal right. if you're you know you get there you have to be somewhat ordinary right i mean what we're set apart by our faith and our conduct yes yeah, so we're not we're not like the world in that way but we are still normal people normal-ish mm-hmm. people uh different values and visions of of what we're called and made to be but uh you've got to have that sense of approachability because there are lots of super devout religious people out there that are just so weird and off-putting it's like yeah right. i get it bro i don't want to talk to you yeah uh, but for them to actually want to means that you are existing in that workspace vocationally in a healthy way where they, oh, wow, they want to hear more. They want to talk to you about it. I think I'm just grateful that you have that opportunity because it's it's easy for me to armchair quarterback, you know, how you're supposed to function in the workplace, right? Mm-hmm. Now, uh, it's like I can preach the word and I can preach it unapologetically, but when it comes to like functioning in the world, I'm not appealing to the work that I did in the world when I was a young person. (laughs) You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I I have to make my appeal from scripture, but then I point to people like you and others and people in our church that are actively doing it. The guys like Jimmy or just anybody in our church that's following the Lord in the workplace. There are so many good examples to point to. And I feel like if you're not you know, since I'm not that person, you want to highlight people that are actually doing it and not just throw out, 
ideologies uh, for, for people to sort of grasp at, make, make it concrete. I think that's really good. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of that to be able to, to point to, I mean, direct examples as to what it looks like and, and how it works. And and for me also just being as a leader, right, leading, leading by example, leading from the front, um, people just have this idea of what's OK and what's not or, you know, uh, or just thinking through various things and they, they get stumped or they, they use it as a cop out. Like, yeah. well, I'm not an evangelist, so nah. I'm not going to, I don't, I'm absolved from, <laughs> from yeah. doing any of that stuff, but that's obviously not true. Yeah. I love that. I love that. We, uh, listen, I, we all do it. We all give ourselves, we all, we'll come up with excuses to get away with, yeah. <laughs> to get away from certain responsibilities that we kind of mm. know are ours. Um, so yeah. what are, what are, what makes it difficult? Like, are there, do you ever wish you weren't by co-vocational? Is there ever like, do you ever like feel like, Oh, this is too much. What are some drawbacks to it? It's definitely a lot. So no question about it. And I, um, do everything according to my calendar. Like it's, it's gotta be in my calendar in order to ensure that I'm spending time in the right places with the right people doing the right things. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the fluff that I used to have in my life, you know, people talk about scrolling through the TikToks and Facebooks and all that stuff. I, I mean, not to say that I don't, but I mean, this is very little because yeah. I simply just don't have the bandwidth in order to, to be able to do that. So, um, in my, in my corporate job, there's a, a lack of flexibility, which has really been frustrating to me lately. And I'm trying to find ways to get out of that IT job and, and find other, other avenues um, because uh, I have no control over my calendar, you know, mm. nine to five, so to speak. Right. And so I would love to have some more flexibility. But at the same time, I do have enough flexibility to do things like this, right? Because I do have command over my calendar that I can find places to do the things that need to be done. And so while, you know, I'm not like a plumber or something like that where I'm, you know, on the job, you know, with my hands working from nine to five, I'm able to find pockets during the day, Um be, with the flexibility that I do have, but the, I would uh, love to have more, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know what I would do with my time. If, if, uh, pastoring was my only vocation, like uh, I've talked to other folks and, and about how they spend time. And I mean, it sounds amazing. <laughs> so I would love to have that extra time, but I still feel like, you know, maybe I would always be co-vocational because of the benefits that I outlined earlier. And, yeah. and I find like a, a lot of pastors, they, they start to live in a bubble. Yeah. They, they are around church people by and large, and they start to lose touch with yep. what's going on in the world and how people operate and think. And so I don't ever want to lose that. And so as I'm talking to a lost person or somebody that's new to the faith, I can relate to them on those means because I kind of know, or at least to some extent, um, of what's happening, what's going on out in the world. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we, we've talked about that a lot uh, on the podcast, the need for pastors to be integrated into their communities outside of the Christian context, right? And so... For me, for years and years and years, it's been the local cigar shop because I can meet all kinds mm -hmm. of men there. You and I've been there. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like we can just go there and and meet people, and people are friendly. It's just great. Um, where was I? I was just um, I had to go to Chicago for a meeting recently, uh, so I stopped 
I got there early and I went to uh, the Rocky Patel Lounge that's near uh, near O'Hare, basically. Mm. Uh, and again, looks like everybody's just super chill and cool. I mean, so whatever it is, right? Whether it's uh, you know a if you're if you are fully if you're a full-time vocational pastor then it is i think it is really important that you find a way to be connected mm-hmm. to the world outside of like go grocery shopping you know i go right. to the movies like okay that's that's fine that's mm-hmm. your general level of participation in the culture you need yeah you need another another opportunity for that so i think that's really good what do you do? oh by the way to speak to vaughn's like calendaring thing um i was like hey, i texted vaughn I'm like hey man you want to come on the podcast and he's like yeah sure and he, so he, uh, it, it, like weeks, we was weeks out. That's how he looked at his calendar. He's like, "Yep, I can do it here." Yep. I was like, "All right, mm-hmm. let's do it." So that's, that's how we roll. Responsibility. I love it. I love it. Um, what do you What do you do to uh, as a you know as a as a pastor as an IT uh, guru exec whatever you are? I'm sorry, I don't know the details. Um, what do I'm you guru guru? Okay, good. So <laughs> what what do you do to rest? Right. Because obviously, you know, you're working, you know, in the world, you're killing it there. You're sacrificing yourself for the church. You have to rest. It's the command Mm -hmm. of God. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. a gift for us. Uh, What do you actually do? How do you find time for it when you're when you're Mm -hmm. so busy? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And it's something that I have had to work really hard on. And fortunately, you know, God gave me a wonderful wife that uh, holds me accountable and she can see things in me before mm-hmm. I see it. So I'm, I got my head down, grinded. I'm doing what I got to do. And sometimes she comes like, hey, I think you need to pause. You need to take a break. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a look or maybe I'm short or whatever it is, but she can tell like, hey, you need to slow down a little mm-hmm. bit. So I'm grateful for that. But um, just like my calendar, I, I try to hold Saturday as my my day off, my Sabbath, whatever you want to call it, because that's really the only day mm-hmm. that I truly have off. Right. Off. And so um, that that's not always perfect. Sometimes we need to have some church meetings on a Sunday morning or something or a Saturday morning. Right. And so I accommodate for those things. But by and large, most people know that that Saturday is my day off. And man, I'm a homebody. I'm just hanging around the house, um, you know, being with the family, watching some movies or reading some books or something like that. But um, also being an introvert, I'm just I want to do as little as possible around as few people as possible. <laughs> and so um, that's what Saturday is is usually dedicated for. But again, um, you know, sometimes it needs to be some elongated time. And so my wife has helped me to understand that, you know, because I had a habit for a while of taking a week off one job and not the other. Mm, and she's yeah. like, mm, that doesn't really help you. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so I've gotten better at, yeah. you know, taking multiple days off both jobs um, so that I can really just sit and think and meditate. Um, So for example, you know, in, in, at the end of October, it's been my tradition just to take off and just to, to, I go away by myself and I spend time away with the Lord and just uh, prayer and meditation, um, thinking about the, the coming year and things of that nature to read scripture. And that's just, the, I look forward to that time mm. every year. It's the that's sweetest good. time I have with the Lord and just reading through scripture and praying. And if, if you don't do something like that, I would highly encourage any of the pastors out there to, to try it at least once and, and see how it works. That's good, man. I think that's, 
that's really important. And most people learn it the hard way. You know, we yeah. just, we wind up really mm -hmm. frying ourselves and hurting other people that we have no intention yeah. of hurting. So mm -hmm. I'm glad you're taking care of yourself. Well, uh, one, one other question I wanted, I wanted to cover with you, and that is, you know, a lot of people um, are like to talk about, you know, the biggest threat to the church today. And uh, it's like, all right, bro. Um, like, I know what you mean, but like, and then usually it's just, but I'm always like, and that's a fine conversation to have. Like, what are the mm -hmm. biggest challenges? I think is a better word. Um, mm -hmm. You're not going to threaten Jesus, church. He's just going to stomp you out. Like, he's Jesus. Like, what are you talking about? Anyway. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that's what he does. He crushes the head of the yeah. serpent. <laughs> we will crush Satan under our feet, Romans. But anyways. Um, but So I think it's fine to talk about. But I'm always more curious, like, what are the actual challenges that you are facing in your particular church? Like, so, mm -hmm. like, you know, what is the biggest threat, right? But I don't like that word, to your church, to First Baptist and Bolingbrook. Because when I look at Redeemer, I could say, like, well, uh, Redeemer is, is a healthy church. It's not a perfect church. We've got our problems. But it's a healthy church with great people. It's, it has a great focus. Um, I mean, the, the people really make it. It's a, such a huge component, mm -hmm. right? The congregation itself. Um, but we've been looking at like weaknesses uh, as elders and then strategizing like, well, how do we effectively biblically shore up these areas? And so, you know, we've identified some, like for this year, we want to work on better leadership development. We've done really well with that in the past, but lately, last couple of years, and we can blame it on COVID, but I'm not going to do that. It's not, it's not that. Mm -hmm. um, like we, we've gotten weak in that area. So what can we do? So we're looking at leadership development. Another thing we're looking at is um, how do we foster a greater sense of shared community in the whole congregation? So there's a sense of real camaraderie that you experience. How do we develop that? Because we have a particular culture and it's a very welcoming church, but it's always, and it's always going to be this way. People tend to gather in little groups here and there. Mm -hmm. uh, how do we, how do we cultivate a shared sense um, of oneness experientially? So I know that's very specific that to mm -hmm. us, that's something that we're, you know, looking at, is there, is there something going on at first Baptist that you can talk about? You say, Hey, this is something we really are trying to work on, uh, you know, in this season of our church's life. Yeah, certainly there's a lot of specifics there. There's always going to be the flavor of the months of what the, the quote unquote threats are and what that is and what that looks like. But if you look at things like a, like a funnel perspective, and this is probably more general than, than anything else, um, you know, the, the biggest threat is just the lack of biblical literacy mm, yeah. and the the correct preaching of the word. I had, I had a family come in a couple of years ago and they, they had moved, just moved to the area, been into the area for about a year from another state. And, and the gentleman told me they had been to 25 churches before they got to ours. And ours was the first one that had Dedica dedicated moments of prayer yeah. and actually opened up the Bible and kept it open for the entirety of the sermon. It's crazy. And I'm like, you, you gotta be joking. Yeah. And he said, no, it's, we've been here and there and, and all these different places. They use the Bible as a jumping off point yeah. in order to tell their story about whatever the case may be. 
none of them went, you know, did an expository lesson or or anything like that. And so they really appreciated what we brought out. And so uh, you're probably like me where we're in a bubble and know a ton of great preachers and churches. And so um, I, at the time, was naive to think like, well, I mean, it shouldn't be that hard. But remembering back, you know, before when I was trying to find a church, it, it, it really is hard. It's tough out there. And so for me, um, having people to really understand the Bible, I want them to get to know Jesus. I mean, it's, it maybe it's cliche or not, but that's my, my role. That's my job is to introduce people to Jesus and help them to get to know him and, and who God is and what he's done for his people, um, in the past, present, and what he will do in the future. And what that means for mm-hmm. us in our lives, how do we live that out? Not just for head knowledge, yeah. but so that we can go out and live out the grace of Jesus Christ. And 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 so that we can have an impact on our communities and families and, and all those different things. So when we lack that and we have too many cultural Christians that come and take their assigned place in the pew and think that's going to get them to heaven, look, there's a wake up call. That's not how this works. Yep. Right. You we're not trying to collect tallies in order to get in heaven. So that's really been my goal and focus for our people to really understand what it means to be a Christ follower, what that looks like and how we live that out. And going further than that, not not keeping it for ourselves. So now how do we go and share it with other people? Yeah. So that could be what we call evangelism or, or post-conversion or pre-conversion evangelism versus post-conversion evangelism um, for, for discipleship. And so that's really been my main focus. We've got the things we're, we're focused on youth and leadership and, and all those things yeah, yeah. as well. But uh, by and large, right, uh, what is the gospel and right. how do I live it out? It's important, right? Because you have to know, because I know like, the mission of the church is to make disciples, right? And we're supposed mm-hmm. to preach the word and do all that stuff. But you have to know your church to know, like, how to sort of emphasize the mm-hmm. right things, right? Because some churches that are very theologically oriented and they love exegesis and they love doctrine and they're very particular in their in, in their understanding of the character of God or whatever, um, they might be weaker in piety. They might be weaker mm-hmm. on the experiential end of things. And so mm-hmm. you would like, okay, so we're going to leverage all that good that you're doing. We're going to mm-hmm. leverage that and we're going to focus more on these at this aspect of experimental Calvinism in our case, um, mm-hmm. experimental theology. Or it might be the opposite, right? They might have such big hearts, man. They are just all in. They have great zeal, but they don't have enough theology. So you're going to sort of, Mm -hmm. it's like just knowing, like, you know, I'm thinking about all the people that listen to the podcast, right? Because they're all coming from these different kinds of churches. Uh, Yes, the the mission is is rather simple, but it's not easy. And so you you just have to know, like, where are we at? And what what do we really need? What are our weaknesses? But yeah, you got it. Like, I like what you said. You got to have a clear understanding of what your mission is. And then you need to know, like, all right, what do we need to shore up, and what do we need to um, take, you know, take advantage of? Because we have, you know, so many maybe giftings in a particular area. I yeah, like good. I mentioned earlier, like part of the, the the welcoming thing, we weren't quite very welcoming. Is because I don't even think. I mean, it sounds harsh, but I'm I'm not sure we even loved each other at, at some point. I mean, there's some. There were some adversarial things going on in the church where people, one person didn't want to speak to another. And so really focusing on mm. just first loving one another yeah. 
and 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 showing the love of God, giving people grace and all those things. You never know what people are going through. So I think as we work through those things and really intentionally focused on discipleship, doing life together, what that looks like, um, it, it, we were at a time where people would only see each other on Sunday morning between 11 and 12. You know, so now, like, hey, now they're going to lunch together yep. and they're bringing groups together and um, having people over to their house. Uh, there was a guy who came for a while and uh, he said, you know what, I'm, I'm really upset. I like the church, but, you know, the folks are just really odd here. I, mm. I come and nobody speaks to me. Mm. I said, you know what, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. And, and absolutely, that's something that we're working on. But here's one thing that I noticed. You, you come into the church and you sit in the same place in the pew. You get here 10 minutes early and you sit there until the service is over and um, that's it. So I want to challenge you to go out and to meet other people. Why don't you take yeah. the first step and go introduce yourself to, to butt into somebody else's conversation and get to know them? And he really took that to heart. I love it because at this point, I think he's been to lunch with everybody in the congregation and he's gotten to know them and it's been night and day difference. And so just taking it upon ourselves, we want to talk about, well, they're not doing this for me, but what are you doing for yeah. them? Yeah, I mean that's good pastoral admonition for a new guy too. Like that's that's yeah. that's really good. It's hard to do, right? Because you don't want to scare them off. But yeah, yeah that, that's that's great. It's it's funny because we, you know, our church. I I, I ask a lot, all of our newcomers when they're joining, what was it like? You know, um, and I would say nine out of ten say like, oh, I was warmly welcomed. And every once in a while, somebody slips through and it doesn't happen. And mm-hmm. I I take that, you know, to heart. But they're they're they're. Oftentimes is, I don't know what the percentage is. Some people put off an energy and have a puss on and they like people like, Oh, that would normally greet people are a little Mm -hmm. nervous because you just look like you don't want to be talked to. Um, So I think it's, I think it's, I think that was really wise. That's, that's really good. Vaughn. Thanks for, thanks for coming on the podcast and like actually blessing. I mean, I, we need to hang out. I know you're busy. Yes. You're busier than I am. Yes. We need to, we need to, and I'm, Let's I'm get busy. Let's on the calendar, brother. Let's, uh, That's all we need to do. Two months out on Vaughn's calendar. Do <laughs> <laughs> have lunch or something? Um, so listen, if people, how far away are you from Chicago? Like your church? Is that like a 30 minute ride? Ah, uh, man, uh, on a good day, it's a 45 minute on a su- ride. On a know, Sunday with, though. With, yeah, on no, a Sunday. Yeah, about 45 minutes. Okay. So listen, if you are in the Chicagoland area, and you're looking for a church, First Baptist Church, Bowling Brook. And if you live in the area, like hit it up. But if you're if you're visiting, man, because people always ask, "What about Redeemer?" I'm like, "We're an hour out." Like, don't don't. I mean, if you're in Chicago, it's unless you're going to hang out here for the day. It's it's a hike, you know. So, mm-hmm. so we're happy, but you know, I'm Vaughn's going to be closer. So, uh, yeah, thank, happy to have you. Thanks for coming on, Vaughn. Appreciate you, man. And thank uh, you, brother. We'll definitely get it on the books, miss. We can hang out. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. All right. Well, listen, guys, we're, we're grateful uh, that you listen and subscribe to the podcast. So thank you so much. You know, you can find us on the socials at Doc and Devo or Facebook.com slash Doctrine and Devotion. And of course, the website, DoctrineAndDevotion.com. If you would like to support the podcast uh, beyond that, you can subscribe to our All Access. Uh, Doctrine and Devotion All Access gives you theological reflections and devotions five days a week, as well as the Banter of Truth podcast that drops on Tuesdays. Uh, you can just scroll down on your podcatcher and look down. It says support this podcast. Click that link and you can sign up right there or you can go to doctrineanddevotion.com slash all access and sign up there as well. Thanks for listening, guys. 
Hope you have a great weekend.